Successful Farming and Corteva AgriScience present the third edition of the Farm School Podcast. I'm Lori Boyer. Corteva AgriScience provides cutting-edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. Corteva AgriScience, keep growing. Today's topic is no tilling into heavy soils, featuring Tyler Zimmerman, owner of Tyler Farms in Leonard, North Dakota. Tyler, as we get started with our show here today, let's talk about your background in farming and agriculture. Well, I guess I grew up on the family farm. My grandfather farmed here, my dad, and I took it over from my father. I worked off the farm for a, a few years with a neighboring farmer. You know, it was all conventional. You know, we started off with the plow back in the day. As I transitioned into more of the leadership of the farm, I always looked at no-till and cover crops as a kind of a way to potentially lessen the labor load of things, change, you know, the residue management was tough with corn and stuff. And I always wanted to look at a different way to try to farm and go about things. Tyler, can you tell me more about the farm itself there in Leonard, North Dakota? Initially, we were, um, you know, it was a lot of wheat and barley, soybeans back in the day. We transitioned into a lot of corn acres. We were big time into corn and soybeans for many years. And now we've actually transitioned back to oats, barley, flax. We're doing some peas, sunflowers, and obviously staying with the corn and soybeans. But we're just trying to diversified um, what we can grow and, and what's good for the soil. Do you also run livestock on your farm? No, I have never had livestock. Um, the farm did have livestock years ago. Some My grandpa fed some cattle and my dad raised some pigs for a number of years, but I have never been into the cattle on myself. We do do a lot of grazing. Um, I have some close ranchers that bring their cattle up and do a lot of grazing on the land different times of the year. Tyler, you are in the Red River Valley there in North Dakota. Tell me more about the soil conditions in that area. So I, majority of my farm is in the Red River Valley. I'm right on the edge of it. A lot of the soil is, you know, a Fargo clay, heavy black soil. If it gets wet, it stays wet. A lot of guys have tiled some of it. We've always had to do, you know, some pretty good tillage for say, to be able to work it in the spring to get it to dry out but we're kind of going on the the backside of that and trying to do it differently, I guess, and do it with cover crop and no-till. Tyler, when did you start incorporating no-till into your farming operation? In 2023, this will be my, I believe it's my eighth year of 100% no-till. Prior to that, we were just kind of slowly transitioning out of tillage through vertical tillage. We just kind of not really... Going towards no-till at the time, we didn't know that was going to be the ending game. We just kind of started using vertical tillage in the fall, vertical tillage in the spring, 
and then just kind of transitioned out of even using any vertical tillage into 100% no-till. When you say vertical tillage, what does that mean exactly? We owned a Selford with just a fluted single disc. You know, we didn't want to really dig up the soil. We just kind of needed to air it out, maybe size up some residue. So we did it once in the fall, once in the spring, just thinking that that's what we had to do to at least air it out a little bit to get the soil to dry out so that we could plant it in the spring. When you started to incorporate no-till into your operation, what crops did you start with and then what crops do you raise currently? Yeah, the biggest one was probably soybeans initially, no-till and soybeans into the corn stalks. We, you know, we were doing corn into soybean stubble. You know, we were raising a lot of corn and soybeans at that time. So we were just kind of transitioning or flip-flopping from corn to soybeans every year. So no-till in each one into those. We've kind of transitioned now to with our with our other crops, you know, so we're opening it up where we can get more cover crops, get wheat and barley and different things. So we incorporate cover crops so that when we come to plant corn for, say, the next following year into a wheat field or a barley field, we have a pretty good seed bed because we were able to kind of prep it a little bit more maybe with cover crops. Tyler, can you talk to me now about some of the benefits that you have seen using no-till cropping systems versus conventional cropping systems? Yeah, some of the big upfront ones, you know, is labor cost. You know, we're not out there with somebody having to chisel plow and fuel cultivated every year. With that, the fuel costs go down. The equipment costs go down. We're not having a big tractor, big chisel plow, big field cultivator, all those things to work the soil. And in turn, with that, we don't have to replace those down the road, you know. So those are kind of some of the economic reasons right up front on machinery and labor, fuel. Some of the other aspects of no-till and cover crops is, you know, wind erosion, soil erosion. All of that is almost down to zero. You know, I won't say that it's, we still don't have some erosion going on on certain places, certain years in certain fields, but we're basically preserving our soil and starting to rebuild some of our soil. So this is a big deal for your area, Tyler, right? Because with the Red River and heavier soil, it was assumed that no-till would not be a good option for growing crops in that region. Yes. The big saying back in the day when I was younger was uh, no-till, no-yield. You know, you can't do it. It's too cold, too wet. And yeah, you know, those struggles are real. It is, you know, in North Dakota, we are cooler. We do get wetter sometimes in the springtime. But with a good plan, good focus going forward with the crop rotations, cover crops, patience, we're able to successfully no-till, I guess. That being said, Tyler, since there weren't a lot of farm operators around you using no-till, I'm curious, how did you learn the strategy that you used and are using on your farm for no-till? Yeah, it's been a learning process. I think early on, you know, it was just, I read some different articles and that's what intrigued me about the no-till, you know. I always kind of wanted to try it. There's, you know, different local things, NDSU Soil Health was kind of coming on board at the same time when I was getting into no-till. So there were some conferences here locally that we were able to go to and then social media, magazines and getting out to conferences and really learning, talking with other farmers and trying to, you know, critique what 
they're doing to make it work on my farm. Because every, you know, a lot of these practices, you know, they can make work here, make work there, but, you know, you really got to dial them in to make things work right here on your farm. Now that you have established a no-till farming system on your operation in that area, Tyler, do other people, other farmers come to you and ask questions and seek advice for their operations? Yeah, nowadays, you know, we're getting phone calls, we're getting emails. People are starting to see what I'm doing, hear what I'm doing. They're asking questions a lot more than five, six, seven years ago. There wasn't a lot of questions coming. I think a lot of the neighbors were probably waiting for me to to go broke or something at that time. But at least now they're a lot of the neighbors have either started to try a few things possibly and or at least they're asking some questions when I run into them now. So potentially we're making headway there a little bit. What kinds of questions do you get then? Yeah, some of the early questions were, what in the heck are you doing out there? (laughs) You know, how are you going to make that work? But a lot of those kind of questions, I think I've deemed that obviously they've realized what I've been doing and they don't ask the terribly simple questions anymore. But no, just how the planner works. How do I get in there in the springtime when it's cold and wet, you know? What about the cover crops? You know, the cover crop is a big new one and I think gaining a lot of traction. So a lot of guys are asking what cover crops can we use? When can we use them? What grows best here? What grows best there? And what crops work good in a no-till situation? What if a guy was going to start off, you know, what crop would be first to plant? You know, what, what crop do we follow with? So just, you know, a lot of simple questions, but a lot of meaningful questions. So. What is next on your operation? What do you have in mind as far as goals or doing new things or sticking with what you have going on here moving forward? You know, we're doing no-till and cover crops, you know, uh, farm-wide. To really get good cover crops, it's tough in certain crops. You know, corn, soybeans up here, by the time we get them harvested, it doesn't leave much time for cover crop growth. We've really added in the different crops, finding different avenues to sell our crops, to just try to keep it so we can keep evolving with the cover crops because we really need good growth in cover crops to support the soil. The soil, that's where we get our infiltration. That's where we get everything in the soils. We need good growth all the time. So we're just trying to expand what we can do. We're doing some interceding into corn, interceding into sunflowers, but we still just don't get a great cover crop. We have started to try and figure out, you know, let some cover crops grow, do some roller crimping a little bit later, plant our crops maybe a little bit later so that we can get better cover crop growth. Less chemicals is kind of a goal. Less fertilizer is a goal. We are kind of going down. We're trying no-till organic. Got some corn seeded into alfalfa that we just roller crimped. Corn is growing up through the alfalfa right now, so I think with some help with Mother Nature and and the right climate, we can maybe move forward with that too. So, At Corteva AgriScience, we believe that when we work together, we grow together. We believe innovative agriculture solutions are found in the lab and in the field, applying real insights from farmers with our global R&D knowledge to create a strong suite of innovations across seed and crop protection. We believe in constantly challenging ourselves on how to bring all of our solutions together, giving farmers the tools to address today's needs and tomorrow's challenges. We believe in what we do because we believe in what farmers do, and together we thrive. 
Corteva AgriScience. Keep growing. Tyler, back to the crops themselves, the crops that you are using as cover crops. Can you talk a little bit more specifically about those crops and why you are using them? Our cover crops, a lot of it is cereal rye because that's the one crop that, you know, we can plant basically anytime, but it's, you know, for that later season, it'll still grow. It'll grow really good early springtime. So we get a lot of growth out of rye, but, you know, we'll use oats, flax, radishes, you know, barley, millet, sunflowers, leftover corn seed, really whatever we either have and or uh, raise. We, we buy very little. Obviously, we'll buy some turnips, radishes, some of those things, but a lot of it, whatever we can raise and have on hand on the farm is what we'll use for cover crops. Let's talk a little bit more specific now on cover crops and how that has helped you with no-till. Yeah, the cover crops have actually helped us tremendously in the no-till situation. It helps in the springtime. It helps dry the soil out a little bit quicker. It helps actually warm the soil up a little quicker. So without the cover crops in farming where I do, I would really be struggling. I can really tell that on years where we don't get good cover crop establishment in the fall. If it's a wet spring, we, we can definitely have some issues. Tyler, how about a 101 here for just a moment? You mentioned roller crimping. What exactly is that? Roller crimper is a roller, rock roller for say, with bars on it. So when it rolls over the certain crops, certain plants, it'll crimp it and break the stem. It'll kill the plant. It won't be able to regrow, but only certain plants at certain times can you terminate with a roller crimper. Tyler, as you have continued to use cover crops and do no-till farming, how has it evolved? What are some of the things that you are doing differently now that you weren't doing before? I think it's a change every year, you know, because every year is a little different. So every year we got to change with climate, what Mother Nature hands us. You know, the timings and stuff are different all the time. But we just got to keep trying to evolve into, you know, the crops. I can raise better crops every year. The soil gets healthier the longer I'm into this. You know, I'm only doing it eight, nine years. There's been guys out there, you know, no-tailing in different situations for 30, 40, 50 years. I've been on some of those farms and their soil is awesome. You can see the soil health, but we're getting there. We're getting there pretty fast with cover crops. They didn't do cover crops for the first 30 years of their careers, you know, or 40 years. No-tailing cover crops, we can truly build the soil, get soil health built back up rather quickly. Tyler, when it comes to actually planting and managing cover crops, can you give us more details on how that works? Our cover crops are always going in after our cash crops. You know, we're planting those cover crops after our cash crops to help out, you know, the subsequent year of crops. So hopefully after harvest of most of our crops, we can get those cover crops seeded in a timely manner. Usually need some summer rains to get those germinated, to get going. In turn, all of that growth is better in the soil and yet hopefully helping us get into the springtime planting season with our cash crops on time is, you know, when the neighbors are going, can I plant the same time as the neighbor in the springtime with my cash crops when I'm no-tilling? So that's, I guess, the, I don't know if it's a goal, but I guess when you see the neighbor out there going, it's, why can't I go? So hopefully with those cover crops, a lot of years that make makes it where I am going the same time as, as the neighbors. You mentioned the roller crimper earlier. So in addition to the roller crimper, what other equipment do you use in managing and planting cover crops? 
Yeah, for equipment wise, you know the the corn planter. We're just running a, a John Deere seventeen seventy corn planter. Very little, just some aftermarket closing wheels, some notch closing wheels. Other than that, that's nothing out of the ordinary. Keep sharp blades on it. We're running an eighteen ninety air drill, very common air drill. Nothing out of the ordinary on that either. Same thing there. We keep sharp new blades on it, so we cut through the residue, so we're not hairpinning. That we're able to cut through all the heavy residues that are left out in the field. Other than that, you know, we don't have any other equipment that we're really using. Tyler, with regard to water, are you able to measure or determine how much water you are saving by using no-till and cover crop systems? So I haven't actually had any way to measure it a true way. I mean, you can drive by after rain and visibly see maybe not as much ponding on on my soils, but it it takes time. It doesn't happen in three or four years. It takes five, six, seven years, even eight years to get that infiltration where you need it so that we take the water in and it doesn't run off. With the runoff, though, you can drastically see it within one year's time, the amount of um, soil that washes off of the ground in a rain. Same amount of water may flow off, there's no soil leaving my field versus the soil leaving the neighbor's field. You know, so that's one of the huge eye-opening things you can see every spring. You can just drive around and you can go look right at my field and a little waterway, and there's no soil being washed out. There's no soil berm in the ditch. You can go right down the road to the neighbors, and you can see that he lost soil from the, the rain runoff. Then when it comes to infiltration, is that better? Yeah, so infiltration, we've started to do some tests. You can just super simple uh, ring test, pound a ring in the ground and, and dump a bottle of water down it, take a timer and, and see how long it takes. Same thing there. It takes time. Some of our fields are gaining humongously. Some fields are a little slower. A lot of that has to do with crop rotations, cover crop. Can we get lots of cover crops out there? All of that goes into play. Mother Nature you know, springtime that we're not out in the fields too early. Fall time, you know, hopefully we can get the crop harvested without any compaction. All of those things have a drastic change in how fast you can build infiltration and how fast you can take it away. You can really take it away very fast by getting out there when the soil isn't conducive to the job you need to be get done either. So... You mentioned earlier that you saved on labor costs, but it sure sounds like you're saving on input costs as well. Yes. We got lower input costs through labor, fuel. Big one, I think, you know, is equipment cost. We're trying to reduce. We're really starting to go down the path of reducing synthetic input. We haven't reduced a lot, but that's kind of our goal is to really start to reduce the amount of um, fertilizers and and insecticides that we have to have to use. Does all this mean that you are seeing an increase in crop yields? So my crop yields, I won't tell you that they're increasing. We've had a few years that I believe that we probably decreased a little bit, but I think we're right back into the ballpark. We're right where we need to be. It's all about the return on investment. I don't care if the neighbors get 200 bushel corn and I'm not, as long as I'm not investing as much, you know, throughout the year, I'm making as much as he is, if not more. The yields, the yields are starting to even out, I think. The more and more we get into it, the healthier our soil gets. We won't be so drought stricken and or um, 
too much rain to hurt us. It just seems like with that infiltration, it helps us in both situations. So I look forward to, you know, the next five to 10 years where my yields are very consistently and very consistent with the conventional guys. Tyler, since we're talking about soil health, are you interested or have you gotten interested in what's going on with the carbon market and carbon farming? Yeah, on the carbon side of things, we have not signed up to do any of the carbon programs. It's always been on my mind. A lot of them, the problem is, is don't pay for people already doing a lot of these practices. A lot of them want to pay for new practices. We're kind of left out hanging on some of them. There are some companies, some places now where you can sign up and, and do some stuff. But I don't know. I think we got a, a lot to learn in the carbon markets. And hopefully in time, they can get them figured out and, and make it a little more comfortable for a guy to sign up and go forward with those. That being said, Tyler, if a farmer is just getting into using cover crops, what would you suggest they start with? That depends. If you've been a conventional farmer and your fields are black from last fall and, and smooth, I mean, go plant corn in there. But soybeans, realistically, is a very simple one to no-till into corn stalks, no-till into wheat stubble, no-till into pretty much anything. Soybeans is probably a number one first time. And guys are actually doing that. There's a lot of guys in the area that are probably, over time, have direct-seeded soybeans into one of their fields but then, you know, they don't stay with it. They'll just do it one year because that's the way it had to work out for them. They didn't get it tilled in the fall. So it's not that it's a completely new thing, but year in and year out for them, stay without tilling is, is a tough one. So we have talked about the good things that have been working for you. Have you made any mistakes along the way or things that you would have liked to do over? Yeah, there's been a few mistakes. Cereal rye in the springtime grows very rapidly and can use a lot of moisture very quickly. And we've had some situations where we dried the soil out too quick, too fast. When we come to seed the soybeans, possibly, you know, there was no soil moisture left. We had to wait for rain. Luckily, we've always gotten that rain. The cereal rye has kind of got us on the corn side of things too. Same thing, uses up a lot of moisture, but it also uses up a lot of the available nutrients. So up front, when we did plant corn into rye, we didn't front load enough nutrients, 28% or nitrogen with corn planting to kind of overcome those situations. So a couple of those little downfalls, but in all in all, it, it's been pretty good. Is there anything else, Tyler, that I haven't asked about or that you would like to mention here today? The one thing that we do do when I say we, it's my best friend, Chris Walberg. He's kind of come on board with me now. He's uh, been no-tailing and cover crops now for about four years, I think. We'll do a summer farm tour you know, try to get all the neighbors, invite everybody out to just show them what we're doing, try to help anybody along there. And we've also done some winter conferences in town just to get the local guys, tell them what we're doing, you know, and try to help them with any questions if they want to move forward with this down this road. Thank you to Tyler Zimmerman, owner of Tyler Farms based in Leonard, North Dakota, for being the guest on today's Farm School podcast brought to you by Corteva AgriScience, providing cutting edge solutions for farmers worldwide. Learn more at Corteva.com. I'm Lori Boyer for Successful Farming.